Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. Since early 2019, I've been interviewing the most successful and innovative recruitment owners to learn how they rose to the top of their game. In season seven, I'm going to be having raw, authentic and insightful conversations with agency owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, people across the industry. And I want to be learning about their ambitions, what's happening behind the scenes in their agencies today and their plans to navigate difficult market conditions. I'll be bringing you the latest and greatest recruitment stories every single week on Wednesdays at noon across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's show, I was joined by Anthony Kelly. And Anthony is the founder of Deep Rate. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's show, I was super excited to be joined by Anthony Kelly, the founder of DeepRec.ai, a AI niche recruitment agency, part of the wider Trenovo group. So Anthony is an Irish guy now living in the UK, specifically in Bishop Stortford, who launched his business within the wider group of Trenovo five months ago in this early, early summer 2023. Um, XS3, he joined the Trenovo group three and a half years ago uh, as part of the Trust in Soda brand. Um, but upon leaving Ireland, moving to the UK, he realized he wanted to be an entrepreneur and he wanted to do it in Bishop Stortford near where he lived as he was due to have a baby uh, at the start of this year. A little negotiation with the founders and C-level execs of the Trenova group and they agreed that he could launch his own business within the portfolio as long as he wanted to build something of scale. They were talking circa 50 people in headcount um, with a 2 million EBITDA as a, as a target focus. Anthony said, yes, but I want to do it my way in an office five days a week in Bishop's Stortford. We're not going to be in London. Um, and they all agreed and got it off the ground. So he's now a team of five, five months in. He's got a plan to be 18 in 12 months. They've, they're profitable. They're making significant waves um, from a placement perspective. And in this episode, we talk about his strategy to building the business, his approach to building something locally outside of London, how he's going to build that scale and, and, and what that will mean for him and the team in the future. If you're wanting to speak to or learn from someone who's right in the thick of the first six months of growth of being a new founder, but with a vision of scale and exit and all the things that most people in our industry want, then this is an episode for you to listen to. Anthony is a charismatic, open, friendly Irish guy. I love talking to him. I'm sure you will too. So without further ado, Anthony, welcome to the RAG podcast. Oh, thanks, Sean. Pleasure to be here. No worries. We've been talking about this. How long have we been talking about this podcast now? It's in for summer, isn't it? Ah, I've been in your ear for some time, yeah. Um, something, something I tend to do. <laughs> I mean, I, I listen to it. I want to. I want to be part of it. No, I'm, I'm glad. You, I'm glad we finally got this show. We um, we are approaching what are we are now the early November 2023. I always like to mention where we are because people will listen back to this at different times. So the context of what we talk about <clears throat> will make sense if if they can look back on things. Um, but mate, I've done you a brief introduction there. Do us a favor for the listeners' benefit. People who don't know you, tell us. Who who are you? And, and tell us a bit. You know, I don't want the story of Deep Wreck, but give us the kind of the overview of who they are, who you are, and I'll, we'll go back in uh, and we'll tell the story. Yeah, yeah, sound. Um, yeah, I mean, look, of obviously growing up in Dublin. I uh, don't know how many Irish people you've had on the uh, on the podcast, but uh, really, uh, it's actually there's actually more English people in the Trenovo office there was at one stage than uh, than Irish recruiters. But uh, oh, yeah. that's that, that's all 
gone back now. But I grew up in a place called Palmerstown, pretty much about five, ten minutes from, from Dublin City. Um, never went to college or anything like that. Wasn't wasn't for me. I've been working two or three jobs since I've been 15. Never had the results to go to college. Um, just just really enjoyed enjoyed working more than I did enjoy putting the effort into school. Um, got some pretty lousy jobs in in tele sales. I stocked fridges in a nightclub for six years. Wow. Um, <laughs> was that part time on top of everything? I was part time on top of working on a building site and working in a retail on weekends. Um, then I, the tele sales job. I joined as like their youngest employee um, and they would have had about two, 300 employees. And then within like four months, I was the, the team leader. And then in about nine, within nine months, I was running the whole office and managing 200 people on top of all the people in the Irish office, fully remote from uh Philippines. Wow. And then, uh, and then I got a, got a call up from S3. Uh, it was actually, it was funny. I got a, someone kept called me for a reference for someone that was leaving my team that just was joining S3. And then they flipped me in to try and make me a candidate. And I was like, he's off his head. And when I look back now, I'm like, do you know what? That was actually dead smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said no. And then I went for it then about, uh, about, about two months later. Were they, were they actively looking for you as a recruiter or they're just dealing with you as a client? And we're like, this guy. Be um, I think they were, they were dealing with me as a client and then just done a flip ptr flip but obviously i wasn't they weren't going to go hire and tele sales workers for me uh yeah, yeah. so they, they they flipped me into uh into a candidate for them nice nice rigorous interview process um got got in there and just just just, just worked my socks off for for about three years quite a fast growth well i would say for like s3 standards um I think it was like the quickest trainee to associate, associate to consultant, consultant to senior and senior to principal that S3 UK and Ireland actually had at that time. Right. Um, so it was all pretty quick. To be fair, I was quite immature personally. Uh, I was, I looked, when I look back now and I look at my skill level and uh, what I was doing, I, I honestly don't even know how I was doing it is the honest truth. I'm, I, I, probably because it, you don't remember the late nights and I would say I was just absolutely hammering home the hours as opposed to hammering home the equality. Um, moved to Australia. That's not on my LinkedIn. Came back in six weeks, went over for recruitment. Had a bad experience with a recruitment company over there. Really? Where'd you go? I don't want to say. <laughs> what city though? What city? <laughs> Sydney, Sydney. Sydney right. um, I was in Melbourne, wasn't I? And it was all English and Irish recruiters, really. Yeah, yeah. I struggled, struggled to sort of settle in. Um, I, I, Sydney would be, I would imagine, if you had that London experience, it's a little bit more, you know, fast-paced. I feel like being from Dublin, being so close to my family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, the, the city's tiny as well in Dublin, let's be honest, right? You just, yeah. everything's so close. You, you lose that very quick. So I came back, thought I hated recruitment, joined Indeed. Um, then that's when I got into German, the German market, and AI was was with all this, which was James Baker, Steve Quinn, and Mark Kelly start up in Dublin. I was their very first employee. Hey, what indeed? Uh, no, all this, all this, 
Right, who are they? I don't know all this. Um, they're a company there in Dublin. They do AI and service I now. I do know the name. I do know the name all this. You know, yeah. you know Steve Quinn. He used to be I the uh, CEO of uh, S3 USA. Right. Yeah. And then um, I was I was I was plucked out of of all this by by Oliver Perry, and um, Dave Dave and Ash took a chance on me. To, to join Soda. It's quite funny. At the time, they only wanted to hire two seniors or two principals and they got them. And uh, my interview process had taken so long due to COVID that it just, they weren't able to get me in. And they were really taking a punt on me. They were trying so hard to want to reject me in the interview process, but they didn't. Um, and then look, here we are, like three and a half years later, I'm co-founder of a brand with Intranovo when, uh, they were trying, they wanted to say no to me because they were overstaffed at this time. And it was obviously just off the back of COVID. But, yeah, because uh, I, I had Ashley Lawrence on this show in 2019, I think, pre-pandemic. And we talked yeah. about we talked about his journey and, you know, it was pretty impressive what he'd, what he'd achieved back then. And then we um, he talked about the Dublin oper- operation. So, so why did you go from, was it oldest to soda? Why did you move across? <laughs> Uh, it was just a couple of structural changes. Um, Soda had given me a big indication how serious they were about doing Germany, whereas where I was, that was sort of becoming a less of a priority, more of a priority switch to the USA, which, look, yeah. I, complete, I completely understand. Bigger fees, quicker payment terms, higher salaries. Makes complete sense. But unfortunately, that was going to – that wasn't helping me. Mm. Um, so it Why was. Did you, uh, did you not look at the US yourself at that point? You think just flip now. Uh, it was never. It's never actually it was never something I did think of. You know, um, I, I quite enjoyed what I was doing. Relatively still new to doing AI in Germany, right? That's just two to three years to then change again. Granted, I had just changed to that as well, so I wasn't carrying anything. Yeah. But. Um, I think there was there was just a good opportunity to join Soda. And at the time, they'd hired Adam Wag, uh, who was doing software. I was going to do data and AI. And then they hired a good friend of mine, Ronan, who was going to do Ireland. So kind of like a three-principle pronged attack, really like those two lads, those two of the best recruiters I've ever worked with, to just get like three quality recruiters to just smash three different markets and build out teams around it. It was, it was hard to say no to, you know? Yeah. So we'll go to that in a second. So what is your business right now? Like, Just give us the overarching bird's eye view. I don't need the detail, just how many people. How long, you've been going for five months. So what do you do? And then we'll go back. Yeah, uh, deep rec, I guess in short, deep rec, deep learning recruitment. Um, there's a little bit of nerdiness in there. One of the very first AI frameworks ever on like GitHub is called deep rec. And it's an AI search recommendation tool. So I was like, oh, we do AI search (laughs) and we recommend candidates to you. Uh, So dead nerdy, love telling candidates that because if they're OGs in AI, they'll remember that. But uh, our core focus is is AI talent in Germany, DAC, and now the US as well that we've got. We've got Hayley and Harry on that. So total of five. Very much vertical market. Quick. It was just you in the summer when I spoke to you, right? So. It was just me for about six weeks, yeah. And now there's now there's five of us. Um, 
unlucky not to be more is the honest truth but um very much focused on a niche market so like i'm i'm still just cracking out computer vision even though you could say the market's gone a little bit tighter you want a bigger you want to some people go end up going taking a smaller slice of a bigger pie we we've we've buried in and doubled down and stayed hyper niche like we've got harry does computer vision in the us Haley does ml ops in the us diane does ml ops just in the dac so we're not we're not veering away from that and like next hires will be coming in to do like high performance computing nlp so definitely keeping at that um inch wide mile deep approach so there's five of you we'll get to that in five months which is quite quick right so you go back to when you joined the trinova group the, the soda brand what 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 year was that again three and a half years ago is that 2020 yeah so pandemic time they've identified like why if they're already overstaffed in ireland why are they hiring you not obviously you want good recruiters but what was their what was their vision for bringing you the three of you in at the time uh they actually as i said they just wanted the two and um they'd already hired the two lads right and they just after my interview they just said they had to they had to take a punt i think i think it was dave or ash said we have to give this kid a shot to see if he's talking shit because <laughs> uh, that was a good interview. <laughs> and what well, do you think? You mentioned that you'd not, you know, you'd not been to university. You weren't. Um, you were more of a worker than a than a than a and someone who, who thrived on education. Why do you think you know sales and recruitment at a grassroots level worked for you? Um, I have I have a very simple reason for this. Is because. Uh, when I got a job in sales, I just worked really hard to be really good at it. Really enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed talking, but I've always tried to be really good at sales and recruitment because when I was doing really bad at school for like from 15 onwards, I was like, I'm gonna end up working in McDonald's forever. So it was it was, I don't know, you can say fear motivated me because you know, that would have been like a massive it would have been really sad, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I had to just walk my hardest to make sure that that wasn't where it was going to be. Um, yeah, that was it. Like for me, it you was naturally talking was always a skill you had. So it was about. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the same for me, to be honest. So if I, I go back to Australia when I started, I knew nothing. I didn't know what I was talking about. I was doing IT recruitment. I didn't. I'd never owned. A, I'd only owned a laptop for about a year before. This Indian bloke's trying to teach me about IT applications versus infrastructure i just didn't know what he was talking i couldn't get my head around it but put me on the phone and i was all right i was talking i was communicating i was getting on with people i didn't really know what they were saying at that point but the raw skills were there and i remember they were saying like you'll be when you get your head around what people are saying you're going to be all right here. yeah so there's certain people who don't have that like they come in and they they struggle with the communicate like the conversational bit like i i, I never i never struggled with that and but the, and then the working hard bit is just doing more of that, isn't it? Like it's quite straightforward, really. Yeah, I think to to a certain level, um, but you have to work harder to reach that level and to reach those minimums, right? I think I was I was the sort of person that if like joining S three, everyone knows very KPI driven environment. It's kind of a, a case where if they said you have to hit six CVs this week. I was like on one by like Tuesday. It was like I, I would have no problem staying eight till nine, two or three more days a week until it happened. 
So mm. it was, it wasn't a case of these KPIs are nice to have for me. I, I took them quite personally as well. And at the time, not realizing that that's actually developing some skills that you take through with you, like through your recruitment career forever. Hmm. So you, would you say that's part of you now, that old KPI management, is that how you lead your team? It's like black and uh, white, got to do this. So where, where I would say is I, I do have like work ethic as like one of our key principles, but I have a work ethic is not that we're going to be the hardest working recruitment team ever, but we're going to be, have be one of the highest quality recruitment teams ever. Um, because I now understand there's such thing called a busy fool. Yeah. And I was definitely spinning way too many plates. Um, and this is not even just as like a trainee, right? Up to senior or principal level. You know, I was I, I didn't have the quality level in me to be able to reduce that amount of time I had to put in. What um, sort of things? Do you, what sort of things do you think you were doing that were wasting your time? That were looking back. Uh, like? If I, I, something very simple, I look back and I remember for like six months, my interview to placement ratio was sixteen forced interviews to one deal. Hmm, during bad. that during that time, I made like twelve placements. <laughs> That's like over six months. I was managing forty first round interviews at any given month, and I wasn't. I wasn't in a high volume market. Like it just wasn't. The markets. If they were in. getting interviews, if they were getting interviews, they weren't. They I, couldn't have been that bad. Little things like then, like I was, I was cherry picking, and I was, I never had interview preparation techniques. I never had right. interview debrief techniques. Um, it's a lot of the time I was able to just get one-off interviews at clients that might not sign terms. So it would then turn out to be a low-quality interview that would yeah. never even generate into further business. So like. All these little things, you can call it like what the recruitment control piece, yeah, the control of the process piece, terrible, terrible. Um, and yeah, I mean, that alone was causing me to have to find double the amount of CVs a month to just hit that one day. When, when did you realize and, and how did you realize this was a problem and fix it? Yeah, I'd say I was in about about 16, 18 months in. And bearing in mind, I had a very successful first 18 months. You know, I think I'd done my first placement in my, my, my fourth or fifth week. And it was a it was a decent sized fee. And I'd I'd been promoted twice, maybe even three times by like the 18 months. So even then, like the volume I was doing was absolutely crazy. Um and then uh, it was just, you know, through speaking to other people in S3, I was, as you can imagine, how I've been annoying you since the summer. Imagine if you sit at the same, in the same office as me, how bad <laughs> I'm going to be at asking you questions. This is going on. This is going on. My candidates keep saying this. And then I think, like, you know, after, like, a couple of people just turning around, yeah, I, I think I know where you're kind of getting it wrong here. Um, and then it's like the control piece. So it was adding a bit more rigor and a process to when you qualify a candidate, you set an expectation of a preparation interview, of a debrief interview. You're starting doing that with your clients. Your clients who says, oh, we just want to interview this candidate, you're then trying to control the process and get terms out of it like a lot quicker. And um, from like my 18th month onwards, I brought uh, I brought that 16 to 1 interview to placement ratio down to about 4, four to 1. Yeah. Um, so... I was doing three and a half times more deals like instantly. And that was from then, like for the next 18 months, I was, I was fighting amongst the top. 
of everyone in uh in s3 uk and ireland um yeah. you know and there's people who were all in the business in their established markets for five six plus years on perm so um it was it was definitely if i was to say what was the biggest turning point it's again seems like some of the most basic things ever to some people but it's the industry's basic though it's, 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 it's all about basic so you join this i'm interested from soda onwards right you've got this you said that they only really needed two they interviewed two goodens they hired him they got you in the door as part of that process and they were like well we need this guy give him a run so tell me what happened next so you go and you step with these two excellent recruiters yeah how, yeah how did the three of you crack on so ronan was based in Ireland with me um Adam Wag was based in Manchester. He was doing software. So he was doing software Germany. Ronan was doing software Ireland. And then one of Soda's key pillars is obviously we've software DevOps design data. I was like, great, give me the data piece. That's where my experience was. So we were definitely, definitely a complimentary hire. I guess if you could say it was a luxury hire of anything, but yeah. def- definitely not needed, you know. Mm. Um, came in never done data before uh so it was just a case i think i think for the first two weeks i didn't even pick up the phone uh i can imagine they really thought i was going to flop then but i spent the first two weeks mapping out all the companies who i wanted who i wanted to work with uh i also told them when i was going to go from doing data i was going to swap to just doing computer vision because i wanted to niche down and they're like what the hell is computer vision um so from then on in, it's, it just it just went well. I think it took me three months to make a placement. Hired a lad at three months. Hired another like two or three, and then managed to get like I got this like really good core team in for nine months. By like month nine, there was like four or five of us. Um, I'd been sales team lead then, and then we just went on like this this like twenty month absolutely killing streak where I think between five of us there was there was a twelve month period where our uh, our NFI for like the 12 month period was like 2.1 million or like 1.8 to 2.1 over 12 months, which was crazy. There was, I'd done, right. I'd done 600, the lad, I'd done about 700, the lad underneath me who was actually my best mate who I brought over from all, all this, he'd done about 550 and then everyone else was like chipping in with like 250, 300 plus. It was. What was life like outside of the detail of doing the work? When your team are doing like you know circa two million between five, what, what how did that make you feel, and what, what as a result, how did you guys behave? What what else did you get up to as you know when things are going so well? Ah, uh, we had a we actually we, we were all based in Ireland, so uh, we created this sort of persona, this brand about ourselves, called ourselves Team Cream Guinness. Obviously, <laughs> cream and with Guinness, the cream always rises to the top, and we always say because we're always top. Uh, <laughs> So it was it was like that. I don't know. I just started doing like random stuff, getting like everyone matching merch. Uh, we were always making all like the uh, the super incentives, always making the uh, lunch clubs. So like it didn't all that sort of stuff. Like how to keep people engaged was actually kind of happen organically as well. You know. Um, I'm interrupting today's episode to give you a message from our brand new sponsor. Now this company are called Untapped, and everyone knows that Hoxo through this podcast I've, I've explained that we we've built our team internationally heavily in south africa okay and i get questions all the time from clients and people who listen to the show like how have you done it what was the process etc well 
I've partnered with a business that can ultimately reveal it all, share it all, and, and help you do the same, right? Because look, it's been a tricky year for the sector, and many of people through uncertain times have had to streamline operations. However, you know, accessing low-cost resources internationally has proven to be a bit of a cheat code for some people, including Hoxo. But anyone who's tried it, like us, it's very difficult, a lot of work, process to get it right. So this company, Untapped, are one of the hottest companies in the market. They've helped Hoxo, they're helping our clients. Um, and they specifically look at companies in the UK, US, Middle East and Australia transition to using remote individuals and building full offshore sourcing and recruitment solutions. So they source talent pools from places like South Africa and the Philippines. Um, and we're talking about experienced talent here. We're not talking about graduates with no experience. This is like people with three to five years recruitment experience and integrate them into your UK team, okay? So they work remotely, but plug into your UK team. Um, they put around 3,000 candidates per month through an intense four-stage interview and online testing process to find the top 1% or 30 people and secure these people for work with recruitment agencies like yourself. You know, all candidates are benchmarked against UK competency frameworks and the, the way in which you would hire in the UK. So we're not, again, we're not talking about cheap for the sake of being cheap. We're talking about international experienced people just living in lower cost locations. So it's a really simple process. If you want to work with these guys, you pay a deposit to kick off their search. They then provide a candidate shortlist in 14 days. And then you can put people through your own process to hire them permanently, or there's a freelance option. So if you just want to try before you buy, they can employ them. You pay a daily rate and it's a freelance option. Untapped are totally transparent with all the salaries and fees. Um, but, you know, we're talking about, you'll still pay about 70% less than a UK equivalent in that role. So it's a no brainer to complement your existing team to handle surplus demand and ease cost pressures. You know, if you're not using this to rip up your business and rebuild it with global resources, then you're probably gonna fall behind eventually. So due to demand and capacity, they're only operating on a waiting list right now. So if you wanna be part of their waiting list, go to www.tryuntapped.com. Okay, www.tryuntapped.com and check out their information. Make sure you say that you listen to the RAG podcast um, because they'll do you a very special deal as well. Right, go and check them out. Back to the show. But you created a little culture within your own like five-man environment that yeah, you against everyone else basically. Like, well, yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, we were similar. When I, I had a contract team in Vanquish years ago, we were similar. Like we we didn't give ourselves a name, but we used to make a lot of noise. And like when the deal board would. When someone would go up and write a deal, like we'd be banging the table. Yeah. Like, there was just an arrogance to my team, I think. That <laughs> came from me being the top biller and then them all started doing well. And it, I can I can relate to it. Um, but there's actually also something really special about a time where everyone is earning good money because most recruitment teams have one or two good earners, a load of average recruiters and some new people that are not making anything. And it's full of people looking at others going, I want to be like you in the future. Whereas yeah. you team that are all experiencing it at the same time. How would you describe how that is? If I was to say easy, <laughs> but like, I know, I know that's ridiculous because there was obviously that graft where it was two weeks where I was literally just doing data admin, right? It took me three months to make a placement. Um, it took me by six months. I'd only done like 50 grand and I was like, this isn't good enough. And then after like month nine, we'd managed to assemble 
I don't know the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it just it just it just went really well from there. But like a lot of the stuff that I would have put down the success to would have been like very strict data KPIs, like who were adding, why were adding them, that every piece of data or every candidate call could have been used as information. So I think the fundamentals that were built in underneath that made it made it easy good rigor in that i'd set a structure that every week everyone was doing the exact same actions like oh, there wasn't a whole lot in that granted again i, I know i'll say this because it's, it might never happen again but there was just this period where nothing was going wrong there wasn't dropouts there was almost every time we were pitching a client 80 percent of the time they were signing terms with us um it was just a good window for us. Granted, that's a, everyone knows that was that was when everyone was killing it, right? Oh, it was a good time in recruitment. Yeah, 21, yeah, yeah. 21, 22, without a doubt. That was a great time. But you still got to go and do it, right? Well, um, when did how did the other two guys get on that started their own teams alongside you? Uh both similarly successful at the same time, yeah. But if like NFI per head. No, wouldn't have been at the same the, the, the same levels but uh like waggy went on to have his team up to 11 or 12 that was purely down to like massive volume of jobs and then ronan had brought the uh the soda dublin team up to about five or six right and did you maintain a relationship with those two that was at a different level where you share ideas and support each other and yeah yeah well we all joined the um our, our team lead training program together and then also our business manager training program together but also i ronan's from parmastown same as me so we'd uh we knew each other even we knew each other from idg put it that way <laughs> right is that your first job call center job tele sales job yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so when did you know you were going to be the founder or co-founder of a business within the portfolio at Chernobyl? um probably january this year to be fair but i can't hold like that the lads could never hold it against me i interviewed and said i wanted to be an entrepreneur in recruitment right maybe it's coming from s3 let's be honest the s3 mafia is probably the strongest recruitment mafia out there so many people leave s3 yeah. and go on to be founders of a lot of successfuls the s3 alumni have opened up some of the best firms without a doubt yeah without a doubt. It, you know so maybe it was looking at that that's that's where that hunger came from that appetite joining all this then which is an s3 alumni company as well to then coming into uh to chernovo i was like yeah do you know what i've worked with some of these people i've at the time commercially no idea but you know sales wise i was like i've outbuilt them i could definitely do this not realizing that but um i mean quite a personal decision to be fair in january so uh we I'd moved from Enfield up to Bishop Stouford. Wanted to be closer to the airport, close start of family. So when did you? Yeah. When did you come to England? Because you were in you were in Ireland when you started off at Trenova, right? Yeah, yeah, Ireland. I came to Ireland about wow to today must be about two and a half years ago. So about what a year in, let's say. Yeah, let's say about Why? a year into soda. Why? Work opportunity. Um, you're already recruiting internationally anyway. Like, is it any different being in England or Dublin? Or? I had half a team in Dublin, I had half a team in the UK, right? Um, I met Hayley, 
and that's sort of what yeah let's say that helped <laughs> and she english yeah 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 so you swung yourself over to london were you working in central london then yeah i think we were in holborn at the time yeah 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 i've been in that office um so then all right so then it gets to the start of the year and you're like what you're thinking i'm gonna i've got to be a founder at some point soon um i was already thinking it to be fair throughout points that last year um mm. and then i'd so I had the conversation with the lads. I spent the month, the first month coming back, let's say like February and stuff like that. Seemed pretty difficult to do that from uh, Bishop Stouford into now Farringdon. It's a long commute, having a less than four week, six week old baby, two, three times a week. And um yeah, it was it was just really hard. I I don't think I was able to do it. It was also expensive. I think it was two hundred pound a week just on trains. Like wow. that was that was that was nuts. You turn around and think, right? Well, I'm gonna have to start leave and quit and set my own thing up. Uh, uh, it was a bit more of an open conversation with the lads. They'd asked me for uh, the returning to work. Right? I had a, a four week call return to work. What's your return been like with Dave and Ash? And I told them how difficult I was finding it. Not the work itself, but actually the commercials and the logistics of, yeah. of what my job was now. Um, not their fault either, right? They didn't force me to move from Enfield to Bishop Stouford. So again, really hard to try and hold them yeah. accountable. But um Ash just said it was like, look, it's like do something do something in with us, uh, make yourself accountable, um build a business has to be like build a business where you're looking to have 50 employees two million EBITDA in uh in two million if you can agree to that like if if that's what your plan is for building something to scale i was like we'll back you i was like yeah but it has to be in bishop stouford <laughs> he goes yeah we're in <laughs> <laughs> so you're like i am not commuting that's the number one thing i'm not commuting I, on. I go in for board meetings once a month yeah but yeah that's uh that was how it was so yeah definitely like the story of Bishop's, uh, the story of Deep Rack and Bishop Stouford is, is we're not here to be a lifestyle business. We're definitely here to to scale. I I often call it like you know the the London scale up recruitment companies where they've got cash injections, they're ready to build. But we're in Bishop Stouford. We're not doing that in um, Farringdon. Yeah, well, the thing is though, I know I know people who've done. You know, I've got a client in Canterbury, Arto, flying, and they they dominate the kind of talent pool of Canterbury. Then you've got the guys at Edison Smart who are out in Basingstoke and they, they're dominating the talent pool in Basingstoke. And I think there's something to be said about that strategy because in London, you've got 9,000 recruitment firms in the city. Yeah, there's loads of experienced recruiters banging around, but you are competing in a world where you're just another firm. Yeah. Whereas if you can position yourself in an out-of-town location where people can commute to London, but they've also got a choice to not, and still, earn, and still earn London money, and you know, get the commission and the career progression. There's, like, I say for every one person that wants to go to London, is like, fuck it, I still want to go to London. There's people that will be like, no, I'm, I'll happily do my job on my doorstep. So, what talk me through that journey then of this year planning and then launching in Bishop Stortford? What did you have to actually do? Um, <laughs> is, is it okay if I say not a lot? Like, you know, I, I, I kind of. I worked out. I worked out my notice with with Soda as as people would. But during that yeah. notice period, we were 
actively building deep rec on the back end, setting up company's house. I was able to access into the uh, Trenovo suite of shared services, everything. Like I was able to to work with, with Rachel Gallagher for, for, for TA. I was able to work with Helena from marketing so that we could have our website up and running access to our content writer who's doing all my bios who's getting all our all our stuff ready our marketing team to get my blogs ready changing over all our licenses on linkedin we've got helen foreman and saskia so like in reality we've got we got sean um our financial controller who's been like doing all that stuff and dealing with getting us fat registered so in terms of like what my focus was come out of the gates quick like that they, 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 they were able to take away everything that i was inexperienced at and had no expertise in location in bishop's Dorford and start thinking about a recruitment plan i suppose that was yeah. your main that was it you know build a sales strategy like like i spent months just creating like a new standard operating model remapping out markets um making sure that we're vertically aligned with soda so that we're not competitively aligned um because i was thinking that like firstly how did they take when you handed the notice into soda or work you know did everyone know what you were doing it wasn't like you they thought you were leaving or did everyone knew what you were going to do um yeah to be fair i didn't even hand them you know it's never got to there it was more of a i, I respected the lads yeah. working there three years um just told them how it was feeling though when you were thinking right because you're in a team of people at soda did everyone know you're working, you know, it's but to start a new brand within the company. What the new yes, yes, yeah. yes. So they, I think I kind of kind of became news about four weeks to the time. I had a three month notice. Obviously, takes a lot of time to uh, to get this stuff all built up in the back end. But yeah, they are all they're all known. Um, gone down a different approach though. So I wasn't like people. I wasn't like taking my existing team and stuff like that. No. We want. Yeah, it's a little bit different to modern day, right? We're in Bishop Stouffer and we expect people in the office four and five days a week. It's one of our one of our benefits. Uh, I what call it a benefit. The, what about the team, though? So if you've built a team doing data and AI for Soda and they're all still in the office and you're not taking them with you, are you have you not created a competitor? Do they all have to change their niche because of you? Yeah, so um, it just, just became that, like... Michelle was the one who was the only one doing an AI market left. So deep rec is, is AI, not AI and data, let's say. Right. So it just left Lachelle. And initially I was launching with my uh, computer vision background brand. I was like, yeah, computer vision, ML ops. Lachelle does NLP in Germany. Let's leave her at that. And then now I'm like, my focus is let's do NLP in the US. How I how I completely flipped on that one. Right. <laughs> um, so I wanted to put like our growth strategy into places like the US, where if you make two placements in your four six months, you know you're absolutely creaming it up in terms of like NFI cost per head, uh, uh, sunken cost investment per per new hire and stuff. So that's it, I wasn't worried about competing with people in the UK or in Germany. As long as I got to stick at my computer vision, my computer vision is not always going to be a steady earner. Um, but yeah, well, we're developing out is these that, other areas. That has nearly knocked my computer over there. Um, is that low shell you mentioned still still with the business then and still doing? No, no, she's she's moved on. Um, 
she moved on. She definitely made it a lot easier. Took all the conflicting out of it. She she bought a house last year, um, and it's it's closer to Bristol than it is to London, I think. So last year, twenty twenty two, we had one remote day per week. Fine. Twenty twenty three, we had two remote days. Oh, sorry, one office day per week, and then that was last year. And then twenty twenty three, three office days per week. Um, so culturally, that didn't align for for what she was looking for then. And there's a lot of people that we t- we've talked about it quite a lot. There's a lot of people at your age, my age, whatever that work for firms, probably got on really well with the remote working because of the setup in life. And then coming back to the office was just going to be difficult. Yeah, um, yeah. And you've done it the other way. You've gone going to the office. Ain't a, going to an office ain't a problem. It's just going to London. So I'll settle in. So what was the initial office? I remember when we first spoke. I think you just signed the contract or whatever. What What was your first or what is your office in Bishop's Dorfield? Yeah, I mean we get new desks coming at some point today. We'll have fifteen desks, fifteen chairs coming by the end of the week. At the wow. moment, there's there's six desks, six chairs. Got our own kitchen. We'll be having a breakout area. This is our podcast room. This is going to look a lot better really soon. Um, you know, but at the moment it's it's all fit for purpose. Is it is it a, is it a winner's environment yet? No. But will it be uh this side of Christmas? Absolutely. We're now we're now putting that investment in into it because we need to what be higher in a winner's environment. I mean, you're just gonna be completely ergonomically set up, two screens. Uh, it sounds silly, but like coffee machines, you know, breakout areas, somewhere for people to eat their lunch so that they're not eating the lunch at the desk. So these sort of things that we have yeah. right now, if you take your lunch in, you eat it at your desk because we don't have that there. Yeah. You know, we want an area for like standing desks. We want it just to make it as most com- as comfortable as possible for everyone. Um, Make sure that it's all not soundproofed, but like the... There's no echo of other people in the room. So all these well, things I want to take into consideration. Pre-COVID, Pre-COVID, we just got on with picking up the phone around everyone. Whereas, I mean, I've never had to go back to an office environment. So I don't know what it's like. But if you're used to then ru- running Zoom calls, Teams calls, being really like in the moment with people, and then you've suddenly got a room full of people doing the same thing. How, like, Is it about having better head quality, headsets and better? Yeah, yeah. Needs, it needs to be a bit of that. Um, we've had some challenges with it in the Trenovo office, you know, where you come in for like a battle of the brands, which would be a sales day. It's like the, it's like the wild west, you know, you, you get up to go to the toilet and someone's in your seat making a video call on their laptop, but you're always taking a side just, just because it's, it's everyone in, right. And you've come from an environment, as we said, a rotations of what brands are in on what days. And then all of a sudden everyone comes in and it's just absolutely nuts. The sound can be quite difficult. Really? Yeah, it, yeah. It sounds it, yeah. I don't I think we I've always I've said this loads of times at Hoxo. We've not we've never had any of them problems because we just went remote and we stuck remote. We never and never ever went back. So it's like I'm always interested to know how people get on with it. So talk us through the, the, the strategy then and how how did it go so you when we first spoke you were on your own you're kicking it off and then you're now at five so talk us through chronologically what what you've done yeah so we've been at that we've we've got a a virtual uh resource assistant who's actually there to help me um basically source some of the jobs that i'm working on i don't want to spread myself too thin right if i'm bogged down on resource and roles 
I'm not there to be involved in BD. I'm not there to be involved in strategy. So I've taken a portion of that away so I can keep myself focused um, on, on high value activities. Next year, where we want to be going in is we want to be hiring ahead of contracts. We want to equally grow out as fast a contract team okay. um, across the DAC regions and the USA. And I mean, we've done all, we've taken all the steps we possibly can for that. You know, we've got a SECO trading license for uh, for Switzerland. We've got a GmbH for Germany and a W2 license to trade in the USA so that we we've we've got the framework there we just need we just need to get the right person who's gonna who's gonna really send that on its way um might be out of this office even before the end of next year is the truth you know i think yeah. i think hitting hitting growth trajectory we maybe max this out at 16 and, and by this time next year like if everything goes as well as it has so far we'll be at 18 and that'll be like an even split between perm contract usa germany um all all just in in sections of ai and then yeah if we get a new office then for uh 2025 and we can we can ramp that up to about 40 people by the end of the year uh i think it's so really me through the recruitment strategy in bishop stortford though like so you've, you've gone after the i remember you were talking to me about some of the people you interviewed they were just pretty raw right they weren't I don't think you went straight after experienced recruiters, did you, at the beginning? No, I got I got one guy. I got one guy who was experienced. He came from uh, Robert Walters. Right. Um, so it was definitely, definitely helpful. In terms of a recruitment strategy, we're all, we'll always take someone who's experienced, right? We know where we are. As long as they're willing to, to commit to our vision, our mission, our, want to be part of a high-performance sales environment in the office four to five days a week, that's fine. And I feel like we're, we've got enough surrounding areas there that we we can get some people. But, yeah, we're not obviously open to the whole market. Um, and we're also not willing to bend over backwards for uh, for someone who's experienced, no matter how good they are. Right. So, so that's like the experience strategy. We will just speak and see how everyone's doing. The trainees, this, so this is something where I think, you know, we have to excel. We have to be exceptional at this. We have to be exceptional at creating in-house talent um, and taking them through our, our academy scheme, our academy program. So where we got them, it was uh, inexperienced people have some form of a sales background like most people do, right? You know, I'm, me personally, is I, I would probably struggle to take someone directly out of college just yeah. because it's it's almost even a level or two raw. So, you know, ex-car salesman's insurance sales was the two the two hires that we've made. But as part of our process to get in, it's like an interview with me. You do a psychometric test. You do an interview with Rachel. And then you get brought in for um, a, whole, a whole day against all the other potential uh, graduates as well. So a graduate hiring day. And in that day, it's like a six, eight-hour day. Like the two guys we hired, we hired them, offered them on the spot. They were in here at nine o'clock and they left at half five. Right. Um, so it's it's in the morning. It's introduce yourself to everyone in the room. It's a couple of elevator pitches. Elevator pitches, a deep wreck, hot air balloon debates. Um, and then there's like a two-hour window where they just cold call. Right. Cold call all candidates, candidate regens. Again, just to see how willing they are to do the activity that, that we expect them to be doing. And that's 
that's how we get our graduates. And then within that, we have the Cut the 12 Week Trinovo Academy. How did you um, how do you find people though in that first instance picking up a cold call when they're on an interview? Did have you had people who say, I just don't want to do it? Like I'd rather we we haven't. We've set the expectation. Yes, we have dropouts the day of or the day before, but that's fine. Yeah. Probably probably weren't going to be the top performers on the day anyway. No, no. Um, so then, yeah, then we've got the Trenovo Academy, which which Alex Wilshire and Misha now do. Um, it's been it's been great. That goes on for twelve weeks. Lots of I th- I think where deep breath can be different is we're in the office all the de- all the time, right? It's very hard to find a London business where you can have your leader at hand five days a week, sitting one desk or two desks across from you. So we're there for that. Um, very much interactive training i don't want to say like micromanaging but like we're setting up their days of what they need to do how they need to do it and then letting them run with it but also a lot of those days i'll do the same actions and the same tasks at them so they can see it in work and they can see how it actually flows yeah, i mean i can i can relate i mean that's how i run we run our business back in the day right so i know exactly how you're setting yeah I've, I've i've gone back i've gone backwards i've i've oh. set i've set up my training how how i was trained yeah, and it makes sense. If you're going to do five days a week in an office, you can do it. What? How are you doing this training academy, though? If they're, if it's Trenova Resources and they're not five days a week in Bishop's Dorford, are, they, are you sending your team into London or are they doing it remotely? Like how, how yeah. So what it was is the first five days was London-based and then it's the Tuesday. Every Tuesday, they go into London. Right. And that's, and that gives that's you a, it. Gives you so a bit do, on that day as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, do, they do a morning session and then in the afternoon, they apply the training and uh, it gives them an opportunity then. I mean, look, we are a startup, but it gives them an opportunity to feel part of something bigger, right? And they feel a little bit more connected to the other trainees, um, have a bit of a night out then as well while they're in London most of the time. And how many, how many people have Trenovo got across the brands now? <sighs> Definitely be. I mean, sales consultants now, since the BioTalent exit, would be about 70, 75, I think. Right. Let's talk about that. I mean, we, you literally announced it to me pre-show. I've interviewed James Cox on the show when he was the CEO of Trinovo. And I've had Ashley Lawrence before he finished as CEO of Trinovo. But I wasn't aware that the BioTalent brand had actually been sold, right? So tell us a little bit more about what's going on there. Yeah, so they've uh, they've been sold to Investigo. Um, for us as a business, it was a bit more of a strategic alignment. You know, um, we... Trenovo wanted more collaborative brands. It wasn't an intention that Deep Rec was going to set up and replace BioTalent. We were actually coming in anyway. Um, But now as a result of them going out, to be fair, I'm a a massive winner off it. Anyone left is a massive winner off it. We've got got that sort of money now to to reinvest back into the business for us to put into uh, the Trenovo Academy to hiring graduates, to getting an office kitted out so like Trenovo London are even moving into uh, a new office in January so that'll be sold at and Broadgate in London um so just to sort of re- reset that up realign and and confirm that you know there's there's going to be less less competitive more collaboration now between yeah, us they were they were pharmaceutical bio right so they were slightly outside and the client spread of the other brands didn't necessarily all work together so they were kind of doing their own thing yeah. anyway yeah. yeah and i guess where we're going to come in which 
I guess kind of keeps us in the, I'm going to say the sexy area of pharmaceuticals and life sciences is, yeah. Uh, a lot of drug research, a lot of robotics, a lot of all that nice, like pharmaceutical or health tech, med tech innovations are actually happening in the areas that we're covering of like computer vision, NLP and robotics. So we still have access to this really cool market but it's also the area of the pharmaceutical market that would actually hire software engineers, embedded yeah. embedded engineers, robotics engineers. So again, if we win a customer for that, it comes back in and should should go full circle around Trust in Soda and, and possibly even Broadgate then as well. Our trusted partner, Recruit Hub, helps new founders launch their own recruitment businesses in the UK, US and the UAE. The community is growing rapidly with over 70 founders on the recruitment platform right now. Everything you need to launch your own recruitment business with ease. You receive 100% of the fees you bill. You own full commercial control of your business and increase its value. You get cutting edge tech stack from ATS to sales automation. There's no admin. Handle everything from community registration to contracts to finance and support. There's no setup costs on the platform, no recurring fixed costs, and no surprise fees. If you're thinking of taking the next step in your career and want to discuss your business idea, please book a confidential chat with the Recruit Hub team or learn more here. www.recruit-hub.com forward slash UK hyphen awareness. Okay, let's get back to the show. So as a business, strategically, it's a great move. They've, you know, like I say, you've sold, made money. How many, how many people were in that brand when they went? off the top of my head i think it was about 45 46 okay that's quite a big move isn't it like one day they're in the office the next day not like so they then and that's how it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. wow that what was how did it how did it feel culturally then just being left when they're all suddenly they're all no longer around um i did the office was a weird shape before anyway it was a v right. and yeah. it was broadgate soda on one side and biotalent on another again yeah. because Broadgate soda strategically are better aligned makes sense um yeah. and then they were just weren't there so of course they were missed office mm. was was, was quieter um but then again like that's that's where that new new office new space coming into january is is lined up for so that shouldn't shouldn't feel that should be yeah. you should feel more aligned to Deep wreck, sort of Broadgate then. So how are you, obviously you've got five people, including you, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And, you, and one other experienced recruiter. So three rookies in you and an experienced recruiter. Uh, no, no. So so Hayley will be at this about 12 years as well, co-founder. So there's, of the five, there's three recruiters and two rookies, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So billings-wise, like NFI, what, how, how are you projected to be finishing the year, starting off in early summer? I would say, are we talking booked or billed? Just a whiteboard. Deal's done. Deal's done. I would say NFI would be looking at minimum about £220 sterling. Yeah. Now, could all change of a big L pitch this afternoon, which would be for a, be a six-figure pitch. So that would be like, if I'm expecting on the lowest end, that's where we'd be. Right. Pure right. NFI. Two to three hundred. Like say in seven months or whatever, eight months, so it's, it's a great start. Um, plus with the backing of everyone else, plus you're out of town, you're doing it in a different way than other people are supposed to be doing it. Um, 
And then next year, you want to get to, like say, 16 to 18 people by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I'm really going to be excited. You know, with our office costs hitting critical mass in this office, getting that, what I call to be a high-performing sales environment, right? We've got 14 people all doing like a, a sales 90-minute, two-hour call-in session all at once, walking around in circles with their Bluetooth headsets on. Um, those are the things that I'm I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, and... You mentioned at the beginning of the journey of building the business and negotiating with the guys, they're, they're very clear, 2 million EBIT. What, 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 told me, what was that about? Like, what, what's this vision that you've got to try and get to 2 million EBIT for? I mean, I get it, but what, 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 what does that make you part of and what does that mean for you and the team? It's, it's, not, it's not the vision. It's that, um, you know, we're, we're, very, we're very clear in, in Trinovo that, you know, we want to be building a rocket ship. We don't sell, throw out some spam phrases here. You know, we don't take passengers and stuff like that. But like, it was that that was actually Lawrence to me. It was like you're not going to, we're not going to put you in charge or build a brand for you or support you or back you unless this is what you're telling us you're going for and what your target is. So headcount so, and eight and ebits. Headcount and e ebit, regardless of headcount, ebit's the main target, right? I think I think when we've when we've looked it up, we given like if we put an office out Bishop Stowe for a critical mass, we could actually achieve that eBay with the help of virtual assistants, probably with like 42 consultants in reality, but broad number 50, let's say we get some non-sales heads in. And when do you want to, have you got a deadline, what year you want to get to that? Obviously, I'm, I'm not holding you to anything. It's a, it's a vision, but what have you written down as to when you'll be there? We did we did say 2027 is the honest truth, but that was actually before the, uh, the BioTalent exit. Um, mm. So we now have an opportunity to invest harder is the honest truth and look to maybe try and achieve that within a three, three and a half year period. And what does that mean for you? Is that then an, a, an event that, means you swan off or does it mean you go again like what what i guess where do you see yourself at that point yeah i mean i'm i'm yet to be i'm yet to be sold on that but like what we're actually going to be looking to do in 2024 might actually be where my long-term future holds is uh and when i say long-term future i mean you know we can do an mbo with the existing team here create generational wealth with some of these people that have been back in deep wreck on the journey for that time but in 2024 we're going to launch deepwreck.vc and we're actually going to purposely trade at net neutral profits for the next two years um, and reinvest all of our profit, profits back into pre-seed and seed investments of deep tech and AI companies. Wow. Um, so that's that's where, I, like, if if anything happens and I'm like, where do I go? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't see myself not being part of the business, but I would probably be making different types of plays Within, within, within so what you're trying to do is effectively fuel your own client base in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like that's stuff. Show. It's like this show for me. I've, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not create. I am effectively without putting money in. I'm. 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 In, I'm. In, I'm educating, advising people to start recruitment firms. Which, you know, the amount of people who've listened and gone, Sean, without the rag, I wouldn't have started my business. And now we're doing, you know, a million a year, whatever. It's incredible. But they they also do turn out turn around and, and end up being in a lot of clients of mine. So it's a, you are, you are laying foundations for the future effectively with, by doing things. I mean, I think that's amazing. So all the profit of the business goes into that gets invested in a tax efficient way. I imagine in you know, 
<laughs> you, you can't be. You can't be. Yeah. Um, well, it's 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 that it's that aside. But you know, I moved to Bishop Stoufer, bought my house. I've got no. I, I don't have any large expenses coming up. I don't. I don't have to like. My salary is what it is. Like I don't take a commission, of course. Like I don't. I don't need any unless I break my leg and can't work. Like I don't need more money than yeah. than what my salary covers. And I think that's that's what's important. So. I want to reinvest into the business. I want to do something that's like pretty amazing. I, I love when I call a call a co-founder and they're like, "We're not interested." Oh, I'm also do, I also do angel investments. You know, <laughs> I also do. You know, at first it was I also do podcasts. I also do events, and now it's like I also do investments. So it's constantly having a hook. Um, but you know, it, it definitely is going to feed into into the deep breath brand. Like we do want to be that place where. You know, there's something there for all founders to take them to our websites to then see how how good our business is. Um, but I mean, how many clients are just going to randomly wind up on your website? Not a not a lot. But if you start thinking of like, I don't want to say like hooks and stuff like that, but we we do want people to know who we are when they're super early pre seed or seed, get our seat at the table. Maybe we're then getting involved with getting rid of our ticket or getting rid of our piece at a later ticket stage. But then we're meeting with larger deep tech VCs and they're like, oh, yeah, you guys have a good mission. And then it's hopefully going to feed out from there. But, yeah, that's that, that's where we're going to start off. Really, It's really clever. It's really clever. It's multi, multi-channel, multi-product. You know, you, you're not just playing one game in one way. You've, you've got – but it all feeds the same engine, right? It's the same audience in different ways. And, yeah. and you launched you launched a podcast, right, the, the Leadership Lab. Is that something that was pre – Deep record that's something you launched at the same time as the business and you've used it you're using it as a way of obviously opening doors with people and yeah you know. I, I was um i was using that during my notice you know i've 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 backlogged about i've 17 episodes up with about 17 episodes left to go out you know how important it is to uh to keep a pipeline going so i made sure of that but it's my first podcast where it's not a tech focused podcast. What I mean by that is, yes, I'm interviewing deep tech leaders. I'm interviewing deep tech venture capitalists uh, and founders. Like that's, that's the guest speakers, but they're not in there talking about the latest neural networks, like the latest diffusion models, whereas all my other podcast shows were. And honestly, I, I felt a bit ham. Like I felt useless in these other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these guys are now leaders of businesses in the very same way. Like we don't struggle how to manage or run a recruitment process. We get that. We understand that. It's a bread and butter. They get the same with technology. But now I'm speaking to people who have raised Series A, Series B, who have been through all these different processes and what's their growth strategy like, what's their communication frameworks, um, like how do they show value externally, internally? How do they how do they reflect that image out like of, of what you can bring to a business like all the commercials so it's it, i have the same problems of them so selfishly it's me asking well it's exactly the exact, exact <laughs> same thing about my show you know most of this is not about how to recruit someone and yeah, the, yeah. Like we talk about bits and bobs it's, it's about running a business it's about vision it's about expansion it's about mbos it's about trade-offs it's all it's, it's the whole and again it's things i'm interested in it's things i'm trying to do myself or my other clients are doing i totally get it and um and i imagine it's been a good asset right it's got you in the room with people that have turned into business 
Yeah, it has. It has. It got me um, guest list invite to Slush D, which is like this exclusive event for venture capitalists and and company founders. And I was just, I was that. I was just cutting about in this place where everyone is like an AI company founder or an AI VC. I was like, this is. This is in, this is interesting, um, but it's definitely opening up a lot of doors and creating. If you thought, say, like the the layer up of of tier of of networks, like who's who actually makes business decisions, who adds business value, that's who my relationship is with now. Whereas previously, it'd be with like uh, the lead data scientist, where those guys aren't going to go in, break the door down at a HR's office and say we have to work with Anthony Kelly. No, the CEO will do that. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. In terms of um, your personal life, so we—I mean, we talked about it a bit off offline. You've got like a nine and a half month old baby. How are you? I can only—I'm I'm five weeks today of my, the birth of my child, and you know, working from home, I couldn't even imagine having to go to an office. If I'm honest, personally, right now, how have you managed that? Obviously, I think the early days you did have a bit more working from home. But you've you've had four or five months now when your baby's still in that first year of working long hours, I imagine, and getting in the office. So how how are you coping? Yeah, it's um I mean our office is three minutes, two minute drive, 18 minute walk. Right. I'm I'm still there, you know. Um first week of nursery this week. So although she was sent home sick, which caused a bit of a nightmare on our very mm. fourth day, but oh. You know, half day Monday, Tuesday, full day. Um, get Ailey's mom to do some child minding on Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, that's it. That's a week done. Like, what more? I, I I put the time in between like six to eight, so I don't feel pretty lousy about myself, right? And I what, in the morning or at night? At night, at night. I start my days earlier. Yeah, I start my days earlier. So I'm up at like six six in the morning in the office for seven and a half, seven. So I'm technically catching 8 a.m. in Germany and I'm leaving at about six or half six. Right. And then I'll, I'll I'll try to do my best to be to be fun daddy when I uh, get home for as long as I can. And then Saturdays and Sundays are great little days because you take this little tiny human and get them to lie in the bed with you while they just slap you in the face watching cartoons and they think it's hilarious see i'm thinking what is nine months like well, how would you describe because i'm only at five weeks like she's just she's just starting to like smile at me and you know show a bit of but she's still just feeding constantly and she's amazing but she's not doing a lot right so what yeah what, what's, what's nine months like I'm you know wanting to know that you don't get you don't get a lot a lot back for about three or four months um she's crawling starting to stand up by herself so you'd oh. be absolutely shiting yourself because the amount of time she just goes over on herself and oh, takes yeah, takes 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 a bang so we have a playpen that is layered out with this super soft floor we've got this super yeah. soft the same super soft floor in the kitchen so that she doesn't fall in the kitchen oh. um trying to baby proof the house but even at that, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But it's it's definitely fun. Can't take your eye at the office for offer for a second. She's up the stairs. She can crawl up the stairs without walking, which I find nuts. Yeah. Um, making lots of sounds, but definitely, definitely a lot of fun. Wow, mate. I've got two dogs to think about, and two older kids as well. I've another stepkids, so yeah, we've got gates on the stairs already, ready for the dog, well, for the dogs and the baby. Um. 
but the, my, the dogs are my biggest fear, like, because she'll be at the same height as them and yeah. she'll be, you know, nodding them and prodding them and things like that. So we're going to be super careful about where they are and how we're going to manage that. Um, but it, yeah, you, you, the way you've set yourself up, you're eight, it sounds like you, you know, you're so aware of both parts of your life and it's not, you're not just going to be that guy who doesn't see his kids bath time because he's building a two million EBIT. You've done it on your doorstep to give both to be able to do both. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was that was all part of the trade-off, you know. And the early agreement with Ash, that was why I had to be here. I don't think, don't think I could do it in London. Is the honest truth. I just, I just don't think I could. Um, so now I can commit to that. I can commit to the development and time of everyone that comes into our office. Um, fairly, you know, and I think that's that that's as important as anything. If I was to do a business in London, if I was to say, ah, oh, I'm 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 a co-founder here, I'm CEO, I just want to do Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? That's that's probably not going to get me to where I want to be. It's not going to build the culture that I'm looking for, um, and arguably, you're not going to achieve the targets that I've set that that, that we've set, but. You could do it by getting in early every morning, staying late every night, but you'd miss out on the baby, and that's also as important to you, right? Which yeah. some dads have, some dads just sacrifice it. Like the amount of people I've had on this show that missed the first 10, 15 years of their kids' lives at night, and yeah, they were there at the weekends. But I don't know. Some seem to regret it. Others don't. Others are like, it just was what I did. Like I did it for the sake of the business and the family and all the rest of it for the future. But personally, I couldn't do it. Like there's no way yeah. I could miss out on those nights. I don't I don't think I have to, you know. As I said, with an early morning, yes, I take the laptop home with me. I'm a I'm at home doing a source whale campaign or you know, sending out people's goals and objectives for the next day at nine PM when she's in bed again. But I'm not I'm not missing the, the little bit of a wake time every day I have with her. No yeah. way. Yeah. And I think that is a really nice place to end this conversation. I think it's just but it's the it's the real reality, the raw nature of being a young founder with a young family, and I think that's something that I can relate to, and so many others. Mate, thanks so much for your time. I know how busy you are. You've got so much going on. Well, you you've you've pestered me, but it was worth it. Appreciate um, <laughs> yeah, it. I really do wish you the best. I'll, I want you on again in, in in let's say a year's time. Let's see if you're at that 18, 16 to eighteen heads in Q four next year. Whatever happens, I'm confident you're going to be closer on the way. Um, if anyone does want to reach out and find out more about you and now you've done what you've done, you know, are you okay for them to drop your note on LinkedIn? I'll tag you in, the, in in everything that we do. Yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn, email, WhatsApp. I'm pretty responsive on everything. If you wanted to join the leaders, the Deep Rec AI social discord, you'll catch me there. <laughs> I'm everywhere. Well, I'll tag you LinkedIn and you can take over from there. But Anthony, you're a star, mate, and uh, we wish you all the best of luck. Cheers, Sean. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly hope that you got value from it. Honestly, it's the only reason I take time every week to ensure that my audience, you guys, future and existing recruitment owners, you're learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. And today's episode is brought to you by my business, Hoxo. I'm the CEO and founder, and we're on a mission to help brand recruitment agencies and their people better. I want to help people have the tools to stand out in the most competitive markets in the world. We're currently working with over 350 recruitment agencies and 5,000 of their consultants right now, helping them to build their personal brands to consistently win more business 
attract talent and just become that go-to recruiter in the market. Now we do have a huge coaching program, but a lot of people don't know, we also manage the brands of a lot of founders and we can do the rebrand of that company organizational piece as well. So if your recruitment agency either needs help to look and sound exactly how you want it to, or your leadership and consultant level need to get out there and drive more traffic back to that website, to the business and start using LinkedIn to generate more revenue, then you should definitely be reaching out to us. If that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean, a personal message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from RAG listeners. I would love to talk to you. Uh, look forward to it. So I'll see you again next week with another episode. Catch you soon.